I mean, this is an inception. Let's let's be clear. <laughs> the whiff of a romantic comedy, even though it's got Mark Ruffalo and uh, Jennifer Garner being amazing, is still quite a hard sell. But that said, there's something really kind of sweet about it. This is like a masterful performance, I feel like. Um, she should have got an Oscar. I don't know who won in 2004, uh, but she's so good. I thought this could be my chance to finally bring... 13 going on 30 to Netflix and introduce Kobe to it. So, I mean, that's the best 200th birthday present. Is it? <laughs> Hello, I'm Sam Clements, and welcome to Flix Watcher, where we review films on Netflix and score them with our unique scoring system. Today I'm joined by Louise Owen and Kobe and. <laughs> Welcome to Flix Watcher, guys! <laughs> Thank you, as always, to the mighty people for the mighty, mighty tunes. And thanks to Ben from Rockwood Audio for his awesome editing skills. Please do remember to write a review and rate us on Apple Podcasts anywhere you can do where you listen to the podcast because it really does help us. And you can join in the conversation with us on Twitter at FlixWatcherPod and on Instagram at FlixWatcher. It's very kind of you to take time out of your your busy day to join our our podcast, which reviews films on Netflix, which don't have to be under 90 minutes long. They could be over 90 minutes long. That's totally fine. It's a broad church here. Thanks for inviting us. I know it's it's an honour to be in the guest seat, but it's all about you guys. You guys are turning 200. Yeah. Old. old. Got grey hair in places. (laughs) Shouldn't be. Shouldn't be great. (laughs) <laughs> you're looking great for it though yeah i mean 200 200 films old that's uh or 200 films young let's say this is a it's a good look you wear it well <laughs> thank you very much guys it's a pleasure to be here thanks thanks so much for hosting and uh it kind of feels a little bit weird to be on the other side does it feel a little bit like a night off for you <laughs> you can crack open a glass of wine Actually, I've got a beer. Let's crack open the beer on mic. That's a good thing to do. Yeah. Oh, I've still got a, I've yeah. still got a man's spreadsheet, well, haven't yeah. That's rich sound there. <laughs> um, <laughs> but no, it's. Uh, yeah. I mean, that's a huge achievement for any podcast. But uh, but you know, your podcast involves watching a film every episode. So you guys have watched 200 movies for this show. And that's not including the ones, some, there's some we haven't recorded because people pulled out last minute for legitimate reasons. So maybe it's like 205 films we've watched. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Wow. <laughs> Any particular film highlights or anything that was, um, you thought would not be very good but have turned out to be pretty great? Anything surprised you? Yeah, some film discoveries. I think I hadn't seen or, or even heard of All About Eve before um, before David Barnes brought it in, and I thought it was, I thought it was a fantastic film. It's one of those, you know, in spite of myself as a as a film fan, sometimes it, an old film, black and white, I'm just like ah, nah, not for me. Uh, but I, I need to get over myself a lot more to do that. So it's good when people bring in films like that that um, that get you out of your head a bit more. So yeah, that was that was a really cool one for me. Uh, probably not one that surprised me, but one from someone I'd never heard of before. Um, Jeanette brought Agnes Barda's Faces Places on, and that was my first introduction to Agnes Barda, and absolutely loved it. And I've since seen a couple of her shorts that are on movie. And um, yeah, so thanks, Jeanette, for introducing me to her. 
That's Jeanette Barr from Sudden nice, Double Deep podcast. Ah, yeah. ah, another great podcast. It's it really is. nice when sort of doing a show like this, which relies on the guests to kind of well, basically decide your viewing, but when they actually choose a you know a Stone Cold Banger or something which is like a discovery like this and it kind of sticks with you uh, for those reasons. Uh, there. Yeah, but it's, yeah, it's put a lot of trust in your in your guests. And just a special shout out probably as well for you guys for bringing the holiday, which I had never seen before <laughs> and was pleasantly surprised that it was more enjoyable than I had anticipated. And now whenever I see anything related to the holiday, uh, I just think of you guys. So uh, <laughs> thank well, you for introducing that. that. Uh, it's lovely to hear. It. It's always good when you recommend someone a film and they're like, yeah, it was okay. I didn't hate it, <laughs> which is the most you can hope for from the holiday, really. No, I mean it's a it's Mag- Nancy Myers's Magnum Opus and it's a five star masterpiece, but whatever. Come on, come on, um, come, on. <laughs> come on, come on. Come the on. I think you're right though. It's like let's be I mean, serious now. As, as as people who've been guests uh, on Flix Watcher, you know, I, I've, there is a lot of pressure on like I want to choose something that would be really fun to talk about, and also like Kobe and Helen won't hate. Um, and I think the holiday was like really. I felt like I was on thin ice uh, when I chose that. <laughs> but um, but you know, I, I think you want to be sort of like you're always thinking about those two things. Like I don't want to annoy the people who kindly asked me on the show, but also I want it to be like an entertaining pod. And you just it's quite hard to find that because so you you could choose like a canonical five star masterpiece where everybody's like, yeah, it's really good. Mm. End of conversation. <laughs> yeah, because I'm not. I'm less fussed about the quality of the film. I think it, it kind of bums Helen out more if it's a crap film we're watching. Um, so I think that's why we started asking people to maybe bump it a bit higher. But the holidays are kind of perfect bit where fifty percent people will really love it. Twenty five percent will just be like, "Yeah, that's all right," and there'll be like twenty five percent people that say it's crap. So you get a nice kind of spread of people there. And, and I was on. I was very much of the. I'd seen the poster. I don't want to watch this film. Um, but happy to watch it because you chose it and, you know, we, we know and trust you. So I was happy to watch it. And I was of the uh, Louise's, as Louise said, exactly. It's like, yeah, it's all right. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's all I've got to say to it. But is it Nancy Myers' Magnum Opus? I think that's reserved for Father the Bride, isn't it? That's the best one. That's the best Nancy Myers. I, I mean, like, when you're making films at perfection level, you Steve know, Martin, the, the tears are so, they're all so close together. Eugene Levy. That was Eugene Levy. Martin Short. Is Eugene Levy Short and Steve Martin? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Eugene Levy, I think, is actually in it. Is a a very small. Oh yeah, he's he's in it for like five seconds. I think they're um, they're they're um, Desi Desi Powell's uh, from back in the day. I think she she wrote a film he directed at some one point um, there. But uh, I don't know. I mean, it's all gold, isn't it, with Nancy? Um, (laughs) The Holiday is a is a is a perennial film that's on Netflix all the time as well. So, listeners, if you haven't seen it, check it out. (laughs) I'm going to stop you there, Sam, because we are not here to talk about the holiday. No, this is very true. No, we are here to talk about Helen's choice. Yeah, so I guess for listeners who are sort of expecting the guests to bring the film, um, you've turned the format on its head for the 200th <laughs> episode, and uh, and you guys are picking films. And uh, and yeah, tonight we're going to talk about Helen's choice, uh, which is very exciting. Helen, what did you pick for Flixwatcher? Well, we, we, we nominated four films. So I, I nominated four films. Um, it was 13 Going on 30, Mistress America, St. Francis and Bram Stoker's Dracula. And 13 Going on 30 ran away with the vote with 41%. So thank you, voters. The people have spoken, to, me, to be honest. Certainly. I did not think this was going to win. <laughs> I was quite surprised. Um, but the people have spoken. And yeah, 13 Going on 30 it is. 
I'd never heard of this film before this. You've never heard of it? What? <laughs> when Helen said her, her suggestions, I was like, oh, we could see Bram Stoker's Dracula again. I thought I was going to run away with it. Or I, I was vying for that or Mistress America. Uh, I, and because and it's I'm, I know I'm going to watch San Francis soon because it's it's been on the list for recent, but I just completely ignored Thirteen Going on Thirty because I thought that just wasn't going to win. I didn't know what it was. I was like, I didn't care because I didn't think it was going to win. So now you know I've had to watch it. Thank you, Twitter. <laughs> I mean, oh, I was yeah, I, I was excited that this was um, on the docket. <laughs> I think the reason I ended up putting it on here is that having done two hundred episodes. And not one person has yet to pick it. I thought this could be my chance to finally bring Thirteen Gun on Thirty to Netflix and introduce Kobe to it. So I mean, that's the best two hundredth birthday present, is it? <laughs> oh, I'm sensing a bit of hostility. Oh, this is exciting! It's going to be a, a juicy don't, episode. Oh, I can't break, wait! Don't break my heart, Kobe. So oh. Thirteen Going on Thirty. It's kind of a straight... I was thinking about the synopsis and the easiest sort of way to say it is Jenna is turning 13 and she is celebrating her 13th birthday in classic 80s style party, except she's not quite the cool girl she wants to be. She's a little bit nerdy. Her best friend is kind of a nerdy guy and um, the party doesn't go quite well. She doesn't get to kiss the boy she wants. She thinks it's a disaster and wishes that she could be flirty, flirty and thriving. And through the power of some magic dust and trickery, she wakes up as a 30-year-old woman. So I think that was a very, uh, yeah, it was a, a very succinct, good, uh, yeah. yes, synced, uh plot synopsis for this one. Yeah, this is a high concept movie, and we, I think, it's important to get the the, the nuance. The uh, nuance. In there. <laughs> uh, I mean, it's wild, isn't it? <laughs> it's wild. Yeah, so we, yeah. we kind of spend most of the the film in the adult period of Jenna's life, and Jenna is played so cute and charming, and a lot of fun by Jennifer Garner. And her grown-up best mate, Beaver, Matty, is uh, uh, the wonderful Mark Ruffalo. And we've also got Judy Greer uh, in in supporting cast. And uh, Circus. Andy Circus as her boss. And she's 30, flirty and thriving, living in New York. She's uh, the editor of Poise magazine. Um, and things are sort of going right, you would think. It's, you know, she's got her dream but uh, turns out it's not. And uh, yeah, she kind of is, I mean, I don't like to say it's a female version of Big because it isn't and they are kind of different, but it's sort of a bit like Big. So if you're seeing Big, kind of, you know, you're seeing an adult life through child's children's eyes and it, it's kind of a bit like that. It's a shortcut to explain it, but it is kind of uh, reductive just to say it's a female version of Big. It's both shortcut to explain the, the kind of idea behind it, isn't it? It sort of gives you a flavour for, for what to expect. Um, and, you know, cinema loves making those comparisons for mm. marketing. They also love body swap films because it's quite a fun filmic technique um, there. Uh, so I, I, I sort of I sort of get why they might put mm. that on the well, on the poster or a critic might go, it's the female version of Big. Well, one <laughs> thing know, we, were, we were, um, Helen and I, I, I don't know if you remember this discourse on our, our uh, film because WhatsApp uh, chat, where one of the guys said, no, there's, there's body swap films and there's age up films or whatever the term was, where it's still the same person, but they've just 
they've aged up within like overnight or something like that. And suddenly that's, that's, that's a different body. Whereas like Freaky Friday, Freaky and other ones, it's, there's a swap between like the mum and, and the daughter kind of thing. So there's a, there's a, there's a slight nuance there, which is why Big is a more accurate comparison to, to Freaky Friday, for example, if you think about it. It's a good point. It's like the, uh, you know, if video stores were still a thing, that would be sort of like just a sub-genre, <laughs> the, the next shelf along. <laughs> they wouldn't quite be next to each other. Did you, so Kobe hasn't seen this film before, I don't think. No. Uh, from the chat, from the vibes I'm getting. Yeah. <laughs> but Helen, you have? I've seen, so this came out in 2004. Um, I think I saw it at the cinema. I've, I've seen it quite a lot of times. Um, <laughs> Kobe, your first experience as an adult with 13 going on 30. Well, you were an adult as well, weren't you? <laughs> How old are you at 24? Yeah. So I was neither 13 nor 30, but I was in between. Sure. So I, 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 think I, I think I saw this after seeing Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, um, and hence the interest in watching this. Mark Ruffalo. For Mark Ruffalo, basically. Uh, yeah, it was my first time watching it um, at 41 and two months. Um, not the biggest fan, to be honest with you. Um, but what I did really like, I think Jennifer Garner is amazing in this. This is probably my favourite Jennifer Garner role. I think it's such an interesting thing. And I'm reading a lot about how Tom Hanks did um, played his character with in, in Big. You know, he just hung around with the, the younger Josh Baskin, and just I think they pretty much played around with each other until the scene started, and then Tom just kind of took on his his vibe for the for the for the show. And I, I'd, I'd be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised if that was a similar kind of thing for this. Um, and I'm not that big a fan of the Harry Potter film so much, but one of the things I love the most about it is when my, one of my favorite parts in the Harry Potter is when Helena Bonham Carter takes on Hermione's character, and she does does it superbly. You know when it's Helena Bonham Carter playing her character, or it's Helena Bonham Carter playing uh, Hermione, and that's probably genuinely my favorite part of Harry Potter is, is that thing. And it's a similar kind of thing here with Jennifer Garner. She plays a young girl kind of trapped in this ridiculous situation mentally i think she, she just does it really well um that's the thing that drives me through this film i'm not the keen on the rest of it but we'll talk about that in a second <laughs> I, I do think uh garner's performance in this is brilliant mm. she is so good at all of the comedy stuff and she manages to do that sort of wide-eyed surprised face throughout the whole thing yeah. so well so you like you genuinely believe she's just got no idea what's going on She's yeah, got no idea what's happening to it's her. It's sort of a side of I don't know if Jennifer Garner like has had a chance to do anything like this since, but this is like a masterful performance. I feel like um, she should have got an Oscar. I don't know who won in two thousand and four, uh, but she's so good. And I think that like because before this, there's quite that hard scene of young Jenna mm. at the party where she's trying to impress the sort of the just the bullies who were you know, the, I guess the queen bee kind of schoolgirls, um, and they just totally take advantage of her and are so mean and she's so eager to please. And seeing Jennifer Garner play that, who is, you know, this amazing actress in her prime, um, in, in like the next scene after the, the body swap happens, it's, uh, it's, it's amazing staging. I, I, I think like, yeah, the pacing is incredible. And that first introduction to her, like, what an introduction. Yeah, she just like falls out of bed. Yeah, <laughs> in this crazy apartment, yeah. you know, after being in like that childhood basement, um, yeah, it's it's one of the it's one of my favorite intros to uh, anything I've seen for a while. Like Ooh. that character, um, he, it sets everything up about her um, in that that first scene. It's also one of those um, kind of fake nostalgia, nostalgia films because obviously 
we get to experience the 80s soundtrack and the fashion and being a child in the 80s but the film's not from the 80s it's just kind of setting that period and we kind of fast forward to you know 2004 and she kind of brings some of that nostalgia with it so it has that kind of thing which has blown up a lot more recently with Stranger Things in kind of recreating the kind of nostalgia that we feel in in modern times so for me like kind of being that sort of probably a little bit younger but kind of having those teenage sort of 80s memories in there I can kind of like feel all of her 80s-ness and when she's living out the the party she has in in our house with all the little kids mm-hmm. and they listen to the 80s music it's just mm-hmm. it's like that real oh it's, it's this kind of nostalgia that i'm feeling so there's a big we part of that are young heartache to heartache <laughs> then the rest of that but yeah that was a great scene um <laughs> what when when she did the thriller dance it's, it's, it's hard now watching michael jackson <laughs> anything to do with michael jackson and they did it well I, I mean, the thriller the thriller video is still one of the best you know, music videos ever made, and they did the dance really cool. Uh, did the dance really well. Um, it's kind of a. It's weird when it's like a suspense of disbelief that she's gone from thirteen to thirty. But for me, it's like everyone knows the thriller dance, do they? Because it's actually quite a hard dance to do. <laughs> I did. I did mean think, like don't. just everybody. Everybody at this <laughs> big <laughs> New York fashion party knows all of the moves yeah. to thriller. Yeah, they could just jump at any point and start do- doing the ding ding. <laughs> Yeah, it does make a bit more sense if you think about it of like, it's just like a weird dream she's having. Because then you're like, oh yeah, of course she would go to a party and do a dance and it would save the party. Mm. But why would she put herself in in kind of um, scenarios where she's confronted with a 30-year-old man for the first time and he's shaking his bits around? Is part of the theory that, is part of your theory that she's in a dream that she's... I think she's dreaming the whole thing Mm. because... One of the things pointed out is when she's reading the 30, flirty and thriving article, the apartment she ends up living in when she's 30 is the apartment from the uh, magazine article. So I think everything that she's seeing, she's like, well, obviously I'm going to live in that apartment and I'm going to edit this magazine. I'm going to have a really hot uh, sporty boyfriend because the boy she fancies is an athlete, the blonde kid who turns up. So mm. I think it's all her projecting like, oh, so I'm going to do this, this and this and this. And that's where she saves the party and with that's... doing a fun dance along. Yes. She, I guess, saves the magazine in a very sort of child, <laughs> childlike way, maybe. <laughs> but she doesn't. Well, her, her plan is like, we'll just do a nice we'll thing just do about, a nice photo shoot. with our friends. <laughs> <laughs> I feel as though you've, you've thought way too much about the possible logistics of this happening. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I've done I mean, a lot of time with my hands recently. <laughs> yeah. I think it's best not to kind of think about the... Because it doesn't really make sense. And then the ending kind of doesn't make sense because I've seen it a lot of times and I have tried to kind of work it out how it could logically make sense and it, and, and it wouldn't. So <laughs> because there's then there's time travel involved then because we go back in time so I think it's really you just kind of I like to just think of it as a story about basically bullies never really win Mm. and that the people who were mean to you in high school are probably mean in in adult life as well and that you shouldn't really be bothered whether they like you or not because you can be kind of cool and fun and interesting when you grow up and 
I kind of really like the bit where she goes home and um, the the soundtrack's amazing, but I really love Vienna by Billy Joel in this. And she goes home and she talks to her mum and she sort of says like, you know, she's made mistakes, but then she kind of makes them right again. And it's kind of like a nice life lesson about that. Sometimes things don't quite go right, but if they go wrong, you, you can make them right by being like a good person and trying to fix them in the way you can. So I just think that's really sweet. Didn't she... Jenna turns into in her dream or in this reality. She's a bit of a dick, though, isn't she? And that's that's something that's um, an interesting spin on the story for for age up sort of body stroke thing because she was like farming out poise to the other magazine and she was cheating on her fiance. She was not that nice a person, and and it's in this, in this reality, like literally the day after her thirteenth birthday, she joined the Mean Girls and then was mean to Matty. So she's not a sympathetic character at all, really. Uh, in in not the new version yeah. the the version that she she dreamt she wanted to be that version mm. and have mm. those people as friends but it, it turns out that wasn't that how she got there was not very nice and the way she treated people and her family like she didn't go home or anything like that but she kind of learns really that is that actually what she wanted does she want to be part of that club does she want to do it that way um she doesn't spoilers it's that fun. Um, it sort of adds to the the meatiness of the performance, isn't it? Like all of the characters reacting to Jennifer Garner when she's being the grown up thirteen year old character Jenna, um, and they're like, "Oh, you, you, you're not normally you don't normally talk to me. You're not normally this nice." And and there's that really heartbreaking scene where she catches up with Mark Ruffalo, who was you know her uh, her he had a crush on her when he was thirteen, um, and he's just like. You, know, you were mean and he just like tells her and it's it's quite brutal there because we've also seen cute that cute kid at the beginning um who we all warm to the young young mark ruffalo character um i think that's that's what's nice about this film it's not just like a fluffy kind of comedy or a romance film like there's a lot of sort of morals here and and a big character development for that that role for the, the jenna role uh played by jennifer garner but uh, yeah jennifer garner and mark ruffalo they are so good together what a team! <laughs> what absolute chemistry! I really love like this period in Mark Ruffalo's career. He does a lot of rom coms. I think we've watched a lot of them on Netflix, actually. Um, <laughs> and, and people, people now, I think, discovering Mark Ruffalo because of you know the Oscar-winning stuff like Spotlight or The Hulk um, in Avengers, they sort of forget about this um, this sort of period of his his life where he was doing a lot of indie films um, and then a lot of uh, a lot of you know rom coms because he was a dreamboat. Still is, Sam. Still is. Still is. The Kids Kids Are Right is one of my favourite Ruffalo films. Um, And what's the film is that uh, Mark Lonergan film that you guys uh, came on with Simon? Uh, Yeah, you can count on me. That's an amazing um, film. I don't know if it's still on Netflix, but if it is, do do check it out. No. The the poster makes it look like a rom com, which is it's not a rom com. No, terrible, terrible poster. Uh, Yeah, because at this time he was. uh, he was he was being sold. I guess the distributor was like, "Oh, we got Ruffalo. We'll sell it to the thirteen going on thirty crowd." <laughs> but he, I mean, I've I've seen quite a lot of his films. I haven't seen them all, um, but there are some stinkers. Like Rumor Has It is is pretty bad uh, in in the in the romantic comedies. Um, and this one this one is one of the better ones. Are you going to defend Rumor Has It? No, I'm going to say, have you seen Just Like Heaven? Yes, which is where does top, that top tier? that was a lockdown discovery that was a lockdown for discovery. <laughs> really enjoyed it <laughs> again like the concept of that one is probably even more bizarre than this but it's on the kind of it's on the right side of 
kind of fun and interesting and um but he doesn't always kind of play this i recently saw um Margaret, which uh, he is not oh, also yeah. a romantic comedy. That's the other Mark Lonergan film, isn't it? Yeah. Which is on Disney Plus at the moment, if you, oh, if you want to catch that. I think we, we talked about that as being like a notoriously hard one to find, so that's really nice. Is that now Star Plus, now Star's part of Disney? Yeah, yeah it's they, whatever that's, that's, the, the film is on there. It's, um, um, okay, that's really cool to know. It had a really bad um, like cinema release, uh, that one, and, and it was it was quite hard to find. It was one that was like on the you know, being edited or so for about five years because of mm. various reasons behind the scenes. Um, so it took a really long time to actually come to cinemas. And I think the star Anna Paquin, you know, like she's so much older <laughs> um, now than when she was filming the movie. It was, it's sort of quite interesting to see. But yeah, a d- very different role f- for Ruffalo in that. And then I also, thanks for sharing Begin Again, uh, are also favourites of mine. Oh yeah, God, he's good in the beginning again. And that was when he was doing Avengers uh, sort of stuff. So it's kind of nice to slip a rom-com in <laughs> with Kira. <laughs> uh, in and, between. and recently Zodiac as well. So he, 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 he makes really interesting choices, I think, um, mm. which is probably why I've kind of followed him over the years. And even when he was doing quite a lot of romantic comedies, you know, mm. he didn't kind of do a Matthew McConaughey and just kind of phone it in and be who he was. He still kind of brought something quite interesting to each of these roles. I mean, The, the Kids Are Alright is a really interesting film in itself. Obviously, we're not talking about 13 going 30, but uh, yeah, it, the choice he makes are really interesting. Um, in this, though, does he, I mean, was he, was he the best Mark Ruffalo? I think he's fairly standard Mark Ruffalo. Standard? But standard is good. Standard, He's oh. not making much of an effort, but he doesn't need to. <laughs> Because this character isn't like a big showy guy. He's like, yeah, you were you were a dick to me. The great like, thing about Ruffalo though is he 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 plays it. Um, he I don't know if he is a method actor. I'm not really sure what the distinction is, but he feels like he's a theatre actor. We like we know that he's a really serious guy. I don't think he methods Hulk though, does he, Sam? No, no, no but like, but he's really like he he's in this. You know what is quite a heightened, you know, romantic comedy. But he's playing it really authentically. I really like that. Like he's. He, he feels he like a real a person. Hurt in this one, you can mm. kind of feel that he's still rejected from being rejected at the age of thirteen, and that's kind of like with him. You can kind of see it in his in his eyes. Yeah, it's like this wounded, like puppy quality to him. Uh, I feel, and I feel like that's what he brings to the Hulk. Also, <laughs> um, there is a fun Marvel connection um, in here. Did you spot the other Marvel cast member? We've got five Marvel universe. Whoa! Five. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. Well, I was thinking of the Brie Larson um, role. Um, Brie Larson pops up as a childhood bully. Um, one of the six mm-hmm. chicks. I think she that does. Is. Yeah. Um, I thought oh, she was one of the six. She was. Yeah. She had a speaking part too, so she's, she's the one who speaks. Ah, so she would have got a slightly bigger paycheck than the other ones. <laughs> um, and of course, Circus, I totally forgot Circus was in the Marvel films. <laughs> of course he is. Yeah. Uh, Claw. Uh, Ulysses Claw. Ulysses Claw. Who, who are the other Black Marvel Panther and... Well, obviously Electra, Jennifer Garner. Of course, oh, yes, yeah. yes, yes, yes. Uh, and Judy Greer is in Ant-Man? Oh, she might oh. be, but it's, it's one of those... Pretty sure she is. I could just it's check. Like when, I, when I watch rewatch Ant Man, Bobby Cannavale's in. It's like, oh, Bobby Cannavale's in this. He should be a hero, surely. <laughs> yeah, give him his own film. 
Uh, you know, so so thirteen going on thirty is a hotbed for big blockbuster talent. <laughs> yeah, so that's oh, five. amazing. Brilliant. <laughs> uh, oh wow, uh, that was yeah, it's quite fun. I mean, I I always find it weird seeing Andy Circus not as Gollum, um, especially at this point in time when like he wouldn't have been sort of a particularly known like named actor. No. I think he would have just come off come off of lord of the rings though yeah he would have i don't i think they maybe they all would have just about come out but obviously no one would really recognize him <laughs> now no that's true <laughs> he wasn't like the household name he probably is Had now sex and drugs and rock and roll was after this wasn't it yeah that was a few few and that, years again that would be that would be a that would be a super low-key british thing anyway so it's not going to be i think that was about 2009 translated. yeah 2010 that was a bit i think it was yeah. yeah, so the Lord My of film the lab days. Rings stuff would have been what most people would know him for. And then it's mainly his voice work, isn't it? I'm trying to think what are the films that I can see his actual face in that I've seen <laughs> where he isn't like a an ape or or Gollum. And it's, it's just this one because, <laughs> you know, uh... he's so so famous for his voice work. Um like I say, Ulysses Claw in, in in Marvel films is a big is a big thing in the Black Panther. That's true, but we all forgot he uh, was in it. <laughs> <laughs> we were talking. I was listening. I was uh, re-listening to one of our episodes of Flex Watcher, and we were talking about uh, Sam Rockwell. It was, it was an episode of uh, Galaxy Quest, and we we're like, "Why has Sam Rockwell never been in in the Marvel film?" And of course, he's in he's in Iron Man Two. He's like one of the main bad guys in Iron Man Two. I was like. Idiot. I hate it when that happens. Yeah, I mean, that's the problem um, with the Marvel films. Because they, they always have these huge casts and they've got the budget to bring people in for, you know, just a small role, if even if they're a major, major actor. Yeah. Uh, so it's quite easy yeah. to forget. I think you sort of lose people in the soup, <laughs> in the Marvel soup. Yeah. <laughs> in the Marvel soup. <laughs> in the Marvel superverse. Marvel cinematic superverse. Okay, that's enough of that. Let's head to the scores. I'm Sam Clements, host of the 90 Minutes or Less Film Festival, another podcast in the Stripped Media family, a podcast that celebrates movies under 90 minutes long. Each episode, I'm joined by a special guest who selects a movie to join our prestigious lineup. Past guests have come from the worlds of film, television, music, food, comedy, and podcasting. Search for us now on the app you're currently listening to this podcast or join us at 90minfilmfest.com. Now, guys, for this recording, you gave us access to your spreadsheet, which, I mean, this is just, it's beautiful reading, but like 200 films on here with some very detailed notes and thoughts. Don't, don't, don't like destroy the spreadsheet. <laughs> the world would, the world would fall apart if anything happened to that spreadsheet. <laughs> what I like about, you know, like ratings for films are pretty standard, but most people do sort of like ratings out of like 10 or out of five. You guys have got four categories um, for films uh, on Flixwatcher, uh, which I do enjoy. We've got recommendability, repeat viewing, small screen score and engagement. Okay, so let's go to Helen first. Helen, what is your recommendability for 13 going on 30? See, this is a tricky one because I love this film a lot and I have recommended it to pretty much everyone who's asked for any lockdown recommend 
recommended films. Um, this has been on the list um, alongside Uncut Gems as well. So it's been kind of like a mixed list if you've come to me for any lockdown uh, <laughs> Netflix recommendations, let's be honest. Um, no one's come back and said that film you recommended me was awful. Please don't ever recommend anything again. So I can only assume it's gone down well. As much as I would love to give this top marks, I feel that it is quite a sell on people and that for some people, the whiff of a romantic comedy, even though it's got Mark Ruffalo and uh, Jennifer Garner being amazing, is still quite a hard sell. But that said, there's something really kind of sweet about it and is definitely worth it even if you kind of are interested in what 2004 Mark Ruffalo was up to. So I'm going to give it a very strong four. Oh, okay, that's a good. I mean, that's a good first score on the spreadsheet. Very solid. Very solid. Uh, I like that. Kovi, uh, how about you? Yeah, I'm going to give it a five. Um, if I recommend it, it's not five. Sorry, I'm going to give it a three. No, it's uh, a five. 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 It's official. It's a five. I'm going to give it a three. And all those scores are for Jennifer Garner's performance because I think it's it's knockout, and it kind of makes me sad that I just haven't seen her do anything as. Um, exemplary is this and we need i think we need more jennifer garner in our lives because i think it's, it's generally a hard role to kind of pull this off as a, playing a child whilst you're an adult an adult um i think the the bit about her being a 13 year old in an adult's body but being a rom-com as well i think that's probably the bit that creeps me out and i, I, I don't think we talked about it that much but you see that bit where she's with her boyfriend and she's really uncomfortable but then also that she's kind of pursuing mot ruffalo um it's I find that I find that really kind of, kind of hard to reconcile, um, but otherwise you know there's some fun performances, Circus and Judy Greer and Mark Ruffalo. It's, it's, it's good to see them in there, uh, and there's some heartwarming bits to take away, like the you know how she talks to her assistant when 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 the the nasty Jennifer Garner, the, the nasty old Jenna never talks to her assistant, but this one does, and she talks to her parents when the when the nasty one didn't. So there's a few heartwarming bits to take away, but I think that relationship is a bit creepy. But yeah, so for three. Sounds like Kobe wants to see the ultra-realistic Ken Loach version of this film where when she wakes up as a 30-year-old, she's just crying for like two hours. <laughs> what? <laughs> Such a traumatic experience, yeah. which I think Jennifer Garner pulls off uh, you know, very well. Yes. But there's definitely a darker film there. Louise, your recommendability. I'm going to go for 3.5. Ooh, okay. I really like this film, I will say. Um, but I, I think if you're open to the idea of rom-coms and like fun light comedies you will really enjoy this film but i do understand there'll be a lot of people who would just automatically be like absolutely not not my thing at all rom-coms do polarize people don't they mm. it's very very odd i find because they're such a joyous uh, genre <laughs> some people just don't like joy in their lives that's, that's the problem true. some people want the ken loach version of this <laughs> <laughs> um what is but, your yeah. score sam uh, I am a huge rom-com fan and I think this is a really good uh, example of that mid-noughties rom-com. Uh, they're like a bit postmodern, a little bit cheeky, um, with a great cast who would eventually become the Hulk in the Marvel film. And I would give it four out of five, I think. I think like we should push a bit harder with rom-coms because a lot of people say they don't like them, but that's just because they haven't really seen any. And actually when you do watch and rom-com which is good they're like oh yeah turned my turned my life around loved it um so yeah i'm really i'm really sort of punching up i guess for rom-coms absolutely fair enough i think rom-coms do just get a bad rap when when, when they're bad they're really just not interesting mm. um and there's that kind of spate of the bad matthew mcconaughey ones the bad <laughs> gerald butler 
God, who cast Jenna about in a rom-com? What were people thinking? Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, no, you're right. There's too many of those very bland, like, you know, posters with the white, just the plain white background. Oh, with the red and writing. The, the stars, like, yeah. looking directly at the camera. Uh, yeah, I've, that, that didn't do the rom-com cause any any favours. Um, Netflix is actually a bit of a hotbed for rom-coms now, though. I, I, I do think that they are they are sort of single-handedly keeping the genre alive. <laughs> You can go through someone's back catalogue quite easily in their rom-com section on Netflix. It's very easily done. <laughs> <laughs> That's a top, a top Netflix tip. Um, okay, so let's move on to our second score, which is repeat viewing. Uh, Helen, how do you rate the repeat viewability of 13 going on 30? So my repeat viewing for this is a five. I've watched it fairly recently definitely during lockdown it's kind of like one of my kind of comfort films i'm not going to say guilty pleasures because i don't feel guilty watching it and no one should feel guilty watching it (laughs) but it's definitely my kind of comfort go-to as a kind of like adult one rather than a a nostalgia for my childhood type one i just think it's really funny it's an hour and 37 minutes so it's not particularly long um bar michael jackson i really like the soundtrack in it and uh yeah i i I just really like it set in new york as well so every time i watch it it's just kind of like got some nice new york bits in it as well to to tick that box i mean who doesn't want to marry mark ruffalo and live in a new york city loft with his posters of blue velvet on the wall i don't (laughs) (laughs) Um, i think that's a compelling face helen but moving on to kobe repeat viewability repeat viewing score is one and a half um i don't think i'll watch it again um can't think of when i I just i'm not i'm not ruling out completely but i can't think when that will happen (laughs) if they remastered it and took out thriller and put a different song in it no, <laughs> I, I like the thrill of it. I, I just thought it was kind of funny that everyone knew that dance when it was kind of such a specific, weird kind of hard dance in that party. That's what. That's the thing I loved about it. Um, no, one point five. <laughs> just no. Okay, that's a, that's a, that's a hard a hard no. Uh, fair enough. Repeat viewability, Louise. I'm gonna go four. Wow. Okay. Four because we actually watched it within the last sort of three months on mm. like a an ongoing film Netflix watching sort of party we have with some friends. And when it came up that uh, we were coming on to talk about it on this podcast, it was like, oh, we've just watched it. Like, but okay, I wasn't like sure whether I wanted to watch it again. But then I did, and I was like, oh, it's really easy to watch again. Even though I sort of had mm. just seen it, it was just very easy to watch again, and you do get a bit more out of it maybe there's things you pick up on the second watch that maybe you don't that maybe you miss on the first time round so for me a four okay it sounds like you're really pushing Kobe for that second viewing just saying just <laughs> saying hidden subtext <laughs> um yeah I I mean I was I watched it with you uh for the Netflix viewing party and I think the, the prospects of coming on here and and you know discussing 13 going on 30 is really exciting I I feel like I had seen this film like a little while ago when I was, I don't know, like a few years ago, maybe. I think we'd watched it at university. Uh, maybe, so we'd yeah. we definitely so, seen it before. Yeah, so like, you know, once every 10 years, that's pretty good. Um, so I have repeat viewed it and I really enjoyed it, you know, on our second and sort of third times round. So, uh, yeah, it's, I want to give it a four. Give it a four then, I want to give it a four. Go four. I haven't watched it as much as other films, but I, I would happily watch the film again right now. 
It's a four. <laughs> Thirteen going on four uh, for me. Uh, there, okay. And small screen score, uh, Helen. So I have seen this on at the cinema, and other than things being bigger, um, <laughs> it really doesn't offer that much to the viewing experience. Uh, watching at home, this is. I think this is so basically I got rid of all my DVDs for space reasons basically they just took up too much space and I don't have a DVD player but I still have this on DVD um wow. uh, I <laughs> don't know when I'm going to watch it cuz I don't have a DVD player but um I think this one is perfect for watching on your TV at home uh, a nice kind of Sunday afternoon or whenever you need a little bit of a pick me up so I'm going to give it a 5 for the small screen Nice. That sounds good. I'm jealous of your cinema. You got to see it in the cinema. I can't really see like places like you know rep cinemas like the Prince Charles bringing it back. Maybe they should. Maybe they should. What, this Maybe this good, is a plea. If anyone from the Prince Charles is listening, <laughs> the, it could be a Mark Ruffalo rom-com series with uh, just just like heaven. Mm. This and. So maybe, no. maybe, not, <laughs> maybe, maybe not. Room, room, room has it because that one's a bit crap. But then it could maybe go on to the slightly more serious ones, and we could have the kids are all right and um, begin again. Maybe begin well, again yeah. would be a nice one with this. I think maybe that's a great, that's a great season. Um, I'd buy a ticket for that. Yeah. <laughs> okay, you heard it here first, Prince Charles. <laughs> we had the guys. Uh, we had Phil and Jonathan from the Prince Charles podcast on, and they said, you know, people legitimately do suggest. Um, like uh, seasons, so Helen, you know we have the details now. Give them a shout. Yeah, make it happen. The first Flix Watcher Prince Charles screening um, on multiple. Fun. That's <laughs> <laughs> and we'll get Kobe specifically to introduce it because <laughs> he obviously had so much fun watching this. <laughs> uh, okay, Kobe, <laughs> small screen score five. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't want to watch this in, in the big. I don't want to watch this in the cinema. When this comes out, when this comes out in the Prince Charles Ruffalo Athon, I'll probably duck out and go to uh, Pitch House Central and just hang up there for a bit. <laughs> Slice a cake, get a coffee, uh, come back in an Absolutely. hour and thirty-seven minutes. <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, okay, well, uh, I'll be front row at this uh, Prince Charles screening. <laughs> Uh, but I have to, yeah, I think I'm going to go five as well on small screen score. I think it's the absolutely perfect. I think it's a perfect Netflix film. Yeah. Stick it on Sunday afternoon. Sit back, relax. You haven't got to pay a vast amount of attention to it. But you'll have a great time. Five from me. Uh, okay. That's a, that's a sort of a, feels like a backhanded compliment. No, but... I, I, I think sometimes you just want that from a film, don't you? There are some films you just want to, like, absorb. Yes. I, I Yeah, I, I, I hear you on that. And that's the joy of a rom-com, I suppose, as well, is it's quite an easy mm. watch. You know, you could you feel sort of quite comfortable and relaxed watching it. I think for me, it's probably a four again. I think I've just done fours for this one, um, but yeah, it's a four on 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 small screen. The reason being, like, it's totally fine on the small screen, but I'm very intrigued by this Mark Ruffalo athon um, that we're scheduling at the French Charles. <laughs> um, so I, I, I'd quite like to see big ruffles and big Jen. Uh, I think that'd be fun. <laughs> Okay, and then the last one is the engagement score, which is how difficult it would be for you to turn the film off once you started watching it. Over to Helen. I mean, this is an inception. Let's let's be clear. <laughs> the age up, age down, slight time travelling, 
you just kind of have to go with it. So it's not one of those that you have to be completely glued to the screen for. And it's also kind of one of those that it's probably not going to massively surprise you in, in the direction it's going. It's not really about that. It's about the journey and it's about getting to be with these people and hang out and hope that, you know, everything works out the way that your heart wants to go. I mean, I, I watch, if it came on TV right now, I would sit there and watch it. It's one of those films for me. Uh, I'm going to give it four and a half for engagement. Okay, that's, that's pretty engaging stuff. I also like that you compared it to Inception. That feels like <laughs> it should be used in the marketing for this episode. <laughs> uh, over to Kovi for engagement. 2.1. I mean, that's one of your higher scores. <laughs> well, how does it get 2.1? Um, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Um, you're moderately engaged it's just going on instinct yeah at least it was only a one hour and 37 minutes it wasn't three hours yeah i think it's, it's fine it's kind of fine um i don't know it just, i just i was quite happy not paying attention to it it's quite nice it being in the background but i didn't really feel the need to pay attention um i was moderately interested to see if her plan would work for the rejuvenated magazine and i was like yeah okay <laughs> fine <laughs> Um, and as one of those, because we've got a young kid at the moment as well, you know, just working around him. So when we had to pause, I wasn't super keen to jump back into it. Whereas other films we watched, I'm like, oh God, do you go to sleep now so we can get back to the film? And this wasn't one of them. So <laughs> yeah, 2.1. I think that's a good measure of a film's engagement when you uh, have to <laughs> sort of compare it to looking after your child. Like uh, I could, I could take only 13 going on 30. <laughs> um, okay. That's, that's a, that's a good score to have. Louise. I think i'm gonna go three okay three because i do as i said i do really like the film but it is very easy to not pay attention to and wander away like i had to did have to pause it a couple of times while watching it today mm. and i wasn't like oh no i must i must keep going it's like yeah okay i'll come back to that in a minute yeah i think that's that's a but, fair enough yeah i don't really have much more to add to that no. really <laughs> I feel like you wouldn't miss too many plot details if you did yeah. have to like go and answer the door or mm. you know you fancy making a cup of tea, but you might miss one of the you know you could miss an amazing moment, you could miss a dance scene, uh, you could miss something really charming from Ruffalo uh, there. I think for me, I'm going to go a little bit higher, maybe three and a half mm. on engagement uh, because of that. You know, I just would hate to like be a bit distracted and miss like an absolute gem uh, from from Mr. Ruffles. But one one of those gems at the moment is when they're on the swings and they kind of fall off and have a tussle, and she says, "Oh, you've got arm hair." <laughs> oh, yeah, it's really sweet. The script, it's a sweet oh, moment. She's thirteen. She's thirteen. That's why she says it. It's like super cute. She's like, oh, "You've got arm hair," because it's the kind of thing that a thirteen-year-old would say. But then she's getting off with a thirty-year-old man. Oh, it's all. It's uh. Maybe it's just me. Do you watch Big in the same way then? Because obviously, yeah. Because it's it, when I, when I was a kid, I was like hilarious. Um, you know, the whole what like a sleepover? Sure, why not? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's definitely creepy. Yeah, but that's only a small part of it, though, isn't it? And he's not pursuing um, her character in Big. Am I right? Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I, I mean, it's, I feel like. <laughs> It's kind of like a little bit of the darkness in Big in that you're like, mm, it's kind of implied that maybe something did happen, but mm. nothing has shown, which is a bit strange. I feel like in this, it's more like, yeah, I don't know. I think the romance is a little bit more innocent. Like she's, she, 
she's learning a lot along the way about herself the two men that are like actively sexually attracted to her like the husband that comes in and the boyfriend Mm. she rejects them outright but the one Mm. man she does go after is the one who just likes her yeah as a person yeah maybe there's something there she is actively rejecting the what would be very creepy relationships and she's inviting the whole someone in yeah, I think this is a, I mean, it's, it's a bit of a moral maze of a, of a film in that respect. But, you know, in terms of debatability, this film is a five out of five. It'd be interesting to see whether it would got, get greenlit now, whether they'd say, yeah, that's totally fine. Like, and whether they'd have any kind of things like that now. I mean, it was quite a long time ago and, you know, more innocent times for filmmaking. Times when you could have Michael Jackson on the soundtrack, I really. <laughs> so, yeah. I wonder if they might go like a frozen route if it was made now and it'd be more of like a friendship, like maybe rediscovering a friendship with someone she fell out with. Yeah, definitely. So it would be like the Mark Ruffalo thing, but that would just be like a platonic. Yeah. Rather than getting married at the end. Spoilers, sorry. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I don't know. I I, I think it's a fun idea for a film and and I do like a a body swap thing, so it might be fun if someone did want to remake it. Um, Choose another Marvel cast member and do it this time. Um, I'm fascinated to know what the final score is on this film. Higher than I thought it was going to be. Uh, 3.75625. That's not bad. I think that's seems pretty reasonable to me. Yeah, I think so. I mean, it wasn't it clearly wasn't for everybody, but I I do think this is a it's a definitely an above average film, so 3.75 makes total sense. Is that sort of like a standardy sort of flick watcher score or is that high on 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 the spot? That's that's a, a touch above average I'd say. Um let me just refer to our our scoreboard. Uh go to flickswatchertv slash scoreboard and you can arrange things by overall score. And um I do think this has maybe been pushed up because there are three of us that actually really like it. Yeah, and that's how it works sometimes. Just, yeah. So as a as a as a meter, uh, Wolf of Wall Street scored three point seven one. So <laughs> you heard it here first. This scored higher than three, Wolf of Wall Street. So this is oh, that's my middle of the table. Helen, as the selector of the film, is is that sort of where you wanted to see it? I mean, it's just been really nice to. Um, talk to you about this film and hear hear your thoughts on it as well because it's one of those if I was to kind of list my top 10 films and the last sort of films that I've had on kind of my watch list or I've seen recently this is kind of like pretty out there in terms of what I, I normally watch so it's just been a nice opportunity to talk about something that's kind of a bit fun and a bit different and has Mark Ruffalo in and um, that you you also enjoy. So yeah, thanks thanks for voting for it, mystery Twitter voters, and um, <laughs> f- for hosting. And I'm sorry, Kobe, that it didn't live up to your Mark Ruffalo it's dreams. It's good to watch these films. It's good to watch them. I'm glad that we got to sort of, you know, like Kobe got to at least sort of see it and, and you know, try it for himself to see if it was for him. Yeah. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. On, um, on that note, should we have a look at what Twitter has to say? Ah, uh, yes, a very Do you have any comments point. and reviews? Um, I feel like we should get Helen, as it was Helen's choice, uh, to, to start to this one. So, um, as, as always, we will put a little shout-out uh, for the film that we're reviewing. So do follow us on Twitter at FlixWasherPod. And we had one in, and this is from uh, George McGee. Uh, one of my wife's favourite films. Excellent choice there. A charming performance from Ghana, but I can't tell if Ruffalo is embarrassed to be in the film or just acting awkwardly very well. 
It's no big, but it's an easy watch. And then we've got three little dancing emojis. Thank you, George. Oh, that's a, I think that's a good good sort of summary. And Ruffalo is definitely just absolutely being brilliant. And he's not embarrassed to be here. If nothing else, he would be paid lots of money. <laughs> <laughs> so he's working hard. <laughs> Uh, wow. Okay. Well, that was that was a really fun. That was a fun film to dip into. I think it was. I don't think I'd ever go on a podcast to talk about thirteen going on thirty. So it's been excellent fun. Thank you very much, guys, for having us on. Well, no, thank you, thank you, guys, for for guest hosting. And uh, before you go, just do say to everyone listening: do follow uh, Louise and Sam, um, otherwise known as Ninety Minutes or Less Film Fest. Um, it's a great fun show, uh, talking about films which everyone can watch in under 90 minutes which is always a blessing uh never never unhappy to watch a f- see a film that's got a runtime of 90 minutes or less it's a uh, it's definitely sort of a it, it can make me very very <laughs> intrigued to watch a film when i see the runtime like oh under 90 minutes yes please <laughs> you must have that on on flicks watcher if uh, if a guest chooses a particularly short film do you do like a little fist bump i think helen helen does a little dance in, in the garden uh, <laughs> I, that's the first thing I check. <laughs> <laughs> and I guess th- thanks for hosting and thanks to everyone for listening to all of these episodes. Uh, we hope you continue listening and we'll, as long as Netflix keeps providing the films, we'll we'll keep uh, providing the episodes. If Netflix sinks, then we're, that's it. We're gone. Which is fair enough. <laughs> you have to visit either you could be a you know Disney Plus watcher or a Apple yeah, TV well, watcher. We'll just pivot. <laughs> we'll just pivot. Well, uh, happy two hundred episodes, Flix watcher, and here's to two hundred more. Cheers, guys. Thanks. Cool. Bye. Bye. Enjoyed this episode of Flix Watcher podcast? Why not leave us a five star review on iTunes? You can also follow us at Flix Watcher Pod on Twitter and we're at Flix Watcher on Instagram. Thanks as always to the mighty people for their mighty, mighty tunes and Ben from Rockwood Audio for his awesome editing skills. If you're looking to get your podcast edited as sweet as this, get in touch with Ben and that's Rockwood, R O K K Wood audio tell them flicks what she sent you you just heard a stripped media production